This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's at Dan Grasser is where you can find me on Twitter. Programming reminder, because of the baseball playoffs, we're only going to have 60-minute shows tomorrow and Wednesday. So 6.30 to 7.30, Tuesday and Wednesday, leading right into the baseball. I can't remember which is the night game. I don't have the schedule in front of me. But nevertheless, that's what we will be giving way to. Thursday might also be a case of the same thing, depending on if these series get extended to a third game in the first round. So we'll keep you posted uh, any which way we can to let you know about these showtimes. But 60 minutes each of the next two nights, unfortunately, That comes with the territory. A lot of football tonight, as you would expect. Jets with a tough one last night against the Kansas City Chiefs. Fall three points shy, despite the fact quarterback played outstanding football for much of the night. As good a game as you've seen him play since he was taken second overall. Giants with a huge game against the Seattle Seahawks about to get underway. Uh, Diamondbacks Brewers tomorrow night, by the way, is the, uh, the game that we will be giving way to. And how about Milwaukee, by the way, losing Brandon Woodruff, arguably their top starting pitcher, he or Corbin Burns. Uh, likely for the rest of the postseason, came down with a shoulder issue uh, and had a press conference today holding back tears. And Milwaukee, look, Milwaukee, to me, one of those sneaky picks that could actually come out of the National League and maybe make it all the way to the World Series on the strength of that pitching. Not having Woodruff changes those things significantly. So that's a tough blow for them here, getting ready for the month of October to get way here in the baseball playoffs. But Giants against the Seahawks, we'll keep our eyes on that after they kick off here in about 10, 15 minutes or so. And speaking of the baseball, you know, it's been a while since either the Mets or the Yankees or neither the Mets or the Yankees were part of the postseason in this town. And, you know, it's going to be one of those rarities to where the baseball playoffs are going to get underway tomorrow and you're not going to have a lot of the big markets, right? No New York, no Boston, no Chicago, no teams. So you wonder nationally if there's still going to be an appetite for the baseball players. I don't know. If you're a baseball fan, you're going to consume it. I am, of course, cover the sport, kind of have to keep on top of it. So I'm looking forward to the playoffs. I like the fact that sometimes you have these years where you get new blood in the mix and you're going to have teams maybe that aren't necessarily part of the national spotlight, and now they're going to get a chance to maybe go out there and get it. You know, the fact that an Arizona Diamondbacks team who lost 110 games a couple of years ago are now going to be in the playoffs this year with the turnaround that they had. Um, You know, the Marlins, who this is only going to be the third time in their franchise's history that they've made the playoffs in a full 162-game season. Remember, they made the playoffs in the Fugazi 2020 year. But... If you're looking for a little uh, hint, remember, the previous two times the Marlins made the playoffs in a full season, they won the World Series both of those years in 97 and in, 2000, uh, in 2003. Never know. Stranger things have happened. But it's on to next year for the Mets. And yesterday, sitting on the couch watching the football, and we get news that Buck Showalter won't be back as the manager of the New York Mets. Now, it's not um, – Not necessarily a surprise, okay, because we kind of knew once David Stearns was going to come in as the new president of baseball operations that when you hire somebody new in charge, they are going to be the ones that want to bring in their own manager. And you can't fault them for that. That's just the way it goes. You shouldn't have to bring in somebody and pay him all that money and give him all this authority and have him be saddled with a skipper that he didn't hire. 
So you understand the logic. But, and I tweeted this out yesterday too with Buck Showalter. It's weird that he only gets two years with the Mets. Last year he wins manager of the year. He wins 101 games. Okay? And this year everything falls apart. There was a litany of reasons as to why it didn't work for the Mets this year. We know that. And they had to blow up the team at the trade deadline because it was just that much of a disappointment. But do you think that Buck Showalter and the outstanding he jo- and the outstanding job he did last year by winning 101 games and maximizing every last ounce of that team. And I know they fell short in the playoffs, I get it. But maybe there were a lot of holes on that roster, and we just didn't realize it. And the manager did a great, great job in getting that team to 101 wins and on the verge of winning a title to where you come back a year later and maybe some of those flaws were exposed even more so, and they had the disappointing season. So it's almost like he was victimized by the success that he had last year in winning another manager of the year award. But nevertheless, we'll see what Buck wants to do. He was not the biggest problem. The guys in that clubhouse loved him. And that's the other thing, too. You know, we heard about the Yankees and how the guys in that clubhouse all like Aaron Boone. And Aaron Judge, who certainly is the most important voice in that locker room, is a big backer of Aaron Boone's. Well, if that was the case in Queens, and you saw yesterday when Buck went out to deliver the lineup card at home plate, every single guy on that team stood outside the dugout and gave him a round of applause along with the crowd. And he could tell it was a really emotional moment, but they all liked that guy. And I'm sure that Steve Cohen and David Stearns and Billy Eppin, none of those guys picked the brains of the clubhouse. You want Buck back or do you not want Buck back, right? Because if they did, they would probably universally say, yeah, we want this guy back. He ain't the problem. He's well-respected. But they still went ahead and made the change. So the Yankee fan, who's probably if they've had it with their manager, looks to see what's happening in Queens and say, well, wait a second, then why does Boone get a pass if that's the case? Well, because the Yankees aren't bringing in somebody else new to run their baseball ops department. Now, if Cashman is blown out the door, which I think would be a surprise to everybody, then that's fair game. But the report that we talked about a week ago regarding massive changes potentially coming for the Yankees, well, how long is that going to take? And will it happen at all? Very, very interesting stuff. But nevertheless, here was Buck reflecting on his time as Mets manager. I was honored to get a chance to manage a second New York team. I'm proud of what the Mets did. Uh, We won close to 180 games in two years, especially last year, as much fun as I've ever had in a game. It reminded me why I always loved this kind of work. I wish things could have gone better this season because the Mets fans deserve that. In my heart, you know, you always wonder what could have happened if this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened, but I try not to live in that world. You know, Steve and Billy, they've got to, you've got good leadership and ownership here, and they've got a perfect right to go in a different direction. And I hope you give the next person in this job the same respect he gave me and how about the conversation that he had with billy epler the gm well i just had some things to contemplate he gave me a couple options and i think the players know i would never quit or resign so that wouldn't i was kidding with i had four or five of them in my office early day and they said yeah that would we would have seen through that in about 30 seconds but i appreciate you know it's a classy move on the organization and steve's part man this this organization's in a good place with steve he's always going to be in a competitive mode i know the players will give the next manager the same respect and chance and honor just like they did me after louis it's the crappy part of the business 
And again, most teams don't even give guys like that, the coach, the manager, whatever, to have a proper farewell, right? Most of them, you get fired, and then you're gone. That's it. You're done, right? Gabe Kapler, Giants fired him on Friday. He didn't get to manage the weekend, and this was a guy who won 107 games a couple of years ago and was the manager of the year, set a franchise record for wins in a season. He was gone. Goodbye. You know, and, and I know that the Mets waited until the last day of the season to do this thing with Buck, but the fact that they gave him one more day, and it was his wishes, right? They left it up to him, and you could hear his voice cracking. I'm sure that it's, it's emotional, and it's not a fun moment, right? But to get that send-off that he got before the game, after the game, I think that um, that goes a long way, and if any way possible can help maybe provide some solace for you know, uh, unfortunately, the short end of the stick, what he got. And look, uh, Buck's had a, a, a tremendous career as a manager in this sport. And the one glaring thing on his resume is a World Series, right? Never got a team to the Fall Classic. Got fired by George in the Bronx when he was a young manager in his first big league job. And then Joe Torre comes in and then a dynasty takes shape. You know, he was the original uh, architect of the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, picked the uniforms, picked the rosters, picked the e everything. And got them to a certain point, you know, made them a playoff team. But then he got blown out. Bob Brenly comes in, wins a world championship. Right? It never happened for him in Texas, necessarily. Um, Baltimore, he goes and wins division titles there and gets them to the playoffs. And then here, you know, he only had one good crack at it last season. This year, everything fell apart. So the World Series is the missing piece on his resume, but this is like a, you know, a borderline Hall of Fame manager. You know, four Manager of the Year awards? Uh, tough to do better than that. Is it three or four? Whatever. But not too many guys have that distinction. Guy knows what the hell he's doing. By the way, Marlins-Phillies is the game on our air tomorrow night that you're going to hear right after our show is done. Marlins-Phillies, the little NL East clash in the first round of the playoffs. Now, here's Steve Cohen. How did the decision to relieve Buck of his duties come about? I mean, the way it works when you bring in a president of baseball ops, they're entitled to bring in their, their own people. You know, I mean, obviously wasn't sure if David was going to join us and finally he joined us. And, you know, it became clear that, you know, he wanted to go in a different direction. And that's certainly his right. And I gave him that right. You know, it's no different than when a CEO comes into a new company, right? They, they bring in some of their own people. This is not a reflection on Buck. Buck did everything we wanted him to do. You know, obviously the season was a disappointment, but it's not Buck's fault, okay? It's spread across the organization. But like I said, you know, when you bring in a new head of baseball ops, they're entitled to bring in their own people. And you're paying the guy $10 million a year, which is what they're, you know, $50 million over five years. He's going to pick and choose the manager. It's as simple as that. Um... You know, apparently he didn't make the call to Buck Showalter. He picked up the phone. David Stern said he picked up the phone and called Buck this morning and got the voicemail. You know, maybe Buck was out walking the dogs or something. I don't know. But, you know, I, I, I know the contract and what it is, and I guess today was his official first day. They could have found a way to get in touch. You know, send them a text, even call them, send them an email, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever the hell it is. You know, you're letting, you're letting go of a guy. You're the one in charge. Ultimately, it was your decision. Get in touch with him. You know, it's Buck Showalter. It's not some yo-yo manager you picked up off the street who, you know, is 35 years old and you're giving him his first job in the dugout. This guy's been around baseball forever. Forever. So that's a little bit of a negative stain, in my opinion. But anyway, the new man in charge of baseball ops for the Mets is David Stearns, and he was introduced today. Kid who grew up a Mets fan, uh, told stories about 
sneaking into Shea Stadium when he was 13 years old to watch those Mets teams play in the 90s and everything. Um, here is David Stearns addressing that managerial situation for the Mets. Yeah, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Buck, what he has accomplished globally throughout his career, and specifically what he's done in this town. I think, as, as many of you know, up through yesterday, I was under contract with another team, so I wasn't allowed to talk to Buck. I reached out to him this morning, and I'm hopeful that, that we're going to be able to connect. And I'm very appreciative of, of what he's meant to this organization, and I, I think, unquestionably, the organization is in a better spot for him having been here. See, here's the problem with that. Even if he was under contract for Milwaukee and he couldn't talk, that's nonsense. That, that, that makes no sense. Like, you mean to tell me that people don't have friends and relationships around the sport? Of course they do, that are in different organizations and they're contracted by those teams. Doesn't mean he can't talk to them, right? Robert Sala is the head coach of the New York Jets. Matt LaFleur is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. They talk every day. They're best friends. They're not contractually you know, pre- prevented from speaking to one another. So, th- so that, to me, I-, I don't buy it, to be quite honest with you. And the big speculation about the Mets is, well, what about Pete Alonso? Remember, he's got one more year left on his contract after this season. There's been some talks that, you know, maybe he's going to be trade bait this offseason because negotiations haven't gone very well as far as hammering out a new contract extension. Will Pete Alonso be on this team next year, David? Pete is a great player. He is also good in the clubhouse, and he is also homegrown. All of that matters. I know over the summer there was there was some trade speculation, and and look, I'll just say like I I expect Pete to be the opening day first baseman next year. Pete's an important member of this team. He's an important member of this organization, and, and I think we're really fortunate to have him. Bottom line is get to work, right? Get to work. Dream job come true. Harvard educated. Coming back home. Get to work. Because this was not a good year if you're a Met fan. Not a good one at all. i got to be honest with you, boys and girls. I did not go to a single baseball game this year. And I love the game. I cover the game on a daily basis. Did not step foot in a ballpark all summer. And I'll just go to baseball games just for the fact that, hey, it's the summer. It's nice out, beautiful weather. Just go sit in a ballpark. I enjoy it. I enjoy the atmosphere. Did not go once. That's how disappointed and turned off I was by the performance of this organization this year. Did not even want to go to a ballpark. Still watched the games, still kept up with it, just didn't go. And I'm sure there's a lot of other Met fans that feel exactly the same way. Get to work. And look, I think David Stearns, you give him a shot. They have faith in him, and I think that his track record, remember, we just talked about the Milwaukee Brewers. He put this Milwaukee team together, a Milwaukee team that made the postseason four years in a row. That had never been done in the history of the franchise. A team that, as I said, could be a sneaky bet to go to the World Series. He put this team together. His prints are all over it. And now he goes from small market to big market and the richest owner in the sport. And not saying that they should spend like drunken sailors, and those are Steve Cohen's words, not mine, but a guy who was able to build a winner in a small market, now if he has more resources at his disposal, might be able to do the same thing here for the team he grew up watching. And in terms of repaying the favor and paying it forward, if a 13-year-old kid next summer wants to sneak into City Field, David Stern should give him a free pass and let him in. How about that? 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll get some baseball calls up and also get into the Yankees as well. What does their future have in store this offseason after another disappointing campaign? Dan Gross, the show. We roll to the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This 
is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'd be surprised if he continues tonight because he was uh, caught inadvertently a Daniel Jones knee right to the side of his head, and he uh, tried to get up and was a little woozy, as to be expected, uh, as he made a tackle when Jones was uh, fleeing the pocket there. So they're bringing him back and you know needed a couple of trainers to help him off the field. So you hope it's not anything too seriously, but yeah, he definitely took a shot to the head there and uh, hope he could get back out on the field in short order. Meantime, the Yankees, who, look, you know, I think that they're part of this story about baseball. And as I said a little bit ago, that you have a lot of new blood in the postseason this year. And more importantly, you got the three teams that had the highest payrolls in the sport, the Mets, the Yanks, the Padres, all missed the playoffs. So small markets everywhere are just rejoicing. That there's other ways to build a winner, that you don't have to have the biggest checkbooks, which is fine, but that's not going to cut it in this city because the expectations are certainly to win, and I think with the Yankees and the way that it's been for them for the better part of the last three decades, it's kind of a championship or bust mentality, and they fell woefully short of that. And there was probably a stretch there late in the summer in the month of August where there were no holds barred, essentially. And all bets were off. And you don't know what could potentially happen with this club once we get going into the offseason. And we're going to start to get some answers here in short order. Because no matter what move is made, whatever, whatever change that the Yankees suggest from the hierarchy of that organization, I don't know if you're a Yankee fan, how you could sit there and say, yeah, you know, and I don't think that that's the right move, given what this team has now become. Right? And I think that all fans would sign up for that. Because the status quo right now is just not working. And in that Bob Clappish article last week on NJ.com, if they're talking about bringing in a third party to sit there and evaluate all aspects of the organization and how they go about developing players from the minors up and all these other things and the data and the analytics, well, who does that reflect on? If that's not cutting it and the way that they've been doing business is not good enough, well, who does that reflect on? If you're looking to sit there and make changes. That's why you can't be surprised. Here was Aaron Boone after yesterday's finale in Kansas City reflecting on the season. We need to be playing this time of year, and uh, that's the first thing. But again, take a little bit of, of solace in just how these guys continued to show up, continued to prepare, continued to compete all the way till the end, and played well down the stretch when it wasn't necessarily an easy thing to do. And I'm 
appreciative of that, but we know we need to be playing this time of year, and that's ultimately the takeaway, and that reality and disappointment certainly is upon us. So now the task at going into the offseason and making sure we're all preparing to make sure we're in the best possible position you know, when we get to spring training. Now my pal Andy Martino over in SNY reported earlier today that barring something unforeseen, Boone expects to be back. Okay, if that's the case, well, how do you rationalize that then if you're a Yankee fan, right? I mean, there were a lot of issues, a lot of issues, and he's got one more year left on his deal. So are you just going to run it back with him next year and say, okay, Aaron, you're a lame duck manager? Because if you're bringing him back, don't you almost feel obligated to tack on an extra season to that contract? Because what good does that get you? So if you're going to bring back Aaron Boone and make him a lame duck skipper, what happens if the Yankees are slow out of the gate again next year? And they're sitting there on June 1st, I don't know, 500 or slightly below. And you have teams like Baltimore and Tampa Bay and Toronto and maybe even the Boston Red Sox who are going to have new leadership in the baseball department again next year. What if they're lapping this Yankee team? You think Aaron Boone's going to survive the season? That doesn't do anybody any favors. Aaron Judge, of course... The most influential voice in that locker room was asked if he talks with Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman all year long. Yeah, I've been talking with Hal all year. You know, I talked with with Cash throughout the season as well. And, you know, I'm looking forward to talking to both those guys and just kind of giving my opinion. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, the things, my opinions will change things. But I think just getting a chance to voice some of the opinions and voice of the players, you know, what we're feeling down here, what we're seeing down here. You know, I think it's just a good conversation to have to kind of bring us all together, you know, kind of get everybody on the same page. And I think if we get everybody on the same page, we're going to be, be good moving forward. Is there a disconnect, Aaron, between the players in the front office? You know, at times there's probably disagreements, you know, but I think disagreements are good. But as long as we can, well, once we disagree, I think it's best we kind of both look each other in the eye and kind of come to some common ground. And I think, you know, the next couple of years as we move forward, we're going to we're going to be right there, you know, and you know, this is a tough year this year. But, you know, ultimately it comes down to us on the field. It comes down to us playing the game every single night. And, you know, we just didn't show up. And, you know, I take full responsibility as that as, you know, one of the guys down here, one of the leaders of the team. And we'll, we'll get that figured out for next year. Well, you're going to have to get it figured out for next year. And you could talk about him having a voice and all these other things in the locker room. And I guess that that's what happens when you get paid $362 million, but it's not good enough. Right? And it, it, it isn't. And wasn't it fitting the other night on Friday how Carlos Rodon, in his last act, of what is a largely forgettable 2023, goes out there and gets absolutely shelled by the last place, Kansas City Royals. Kansas City Royals, who were sitting there and could make a strong claim at at, at parts of this season of being the worst team in Major League Baseball. Eight batters, doesn't get a single one of them out. Carlos Rodon got the same number of Royals hitters out on Friday night as I did. And I was on my couch. Think about that for a second. And I'm getting paid a hell of a lot less than he is, too. What an, I mean, if I was Hal Steinbrenner and I woke up on the wrong side of the bed one morning, especially after seeing that performance on Friday night by Rodon and then going on spot rack and checking out the contract terms for Rodon and seeing how much money I still have to pay this guy over the next five years, and then I would check to see whose responsibility was it to give him that kind of money, that alone would be grounds for termination. I mean, Jesus, Hal Steinbrenner, if he just retains the same amount of baseball leadership that they have right now, I mean, he's got more patience than anybody on the planet. I mean, what a disaster 
It turned out to be for Carlos Rodon this year. And I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I thought that it was a great move for the Yankees. I thought he and, and Garrett Cole were going to be a tremendous one-two for them, and it was going to elevate this uh, rotation to heights that were maybe not even seen since the last time this club was in the World Series. Boy, was I wrong. Probably along with a lot of others, too. But boy, did I swing and miss on that one. And how about Frankie Montas actually getting back on the mound, right? Before the end of the season, throwing a pitch. But again, that goes on the plate of the general manager, the guy who made the move, big trade deadline acquisition last year, and they got nothing out of this guy. In a year plus, nothing. Look, I don't know how competitive these football teams are going to be moving forward throughout this fall, but one thing's for sure, I think this baseball offseason is going to be pretty entertaining for both the Mets and the Yankees because I would expect a lot of activity. Just me. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls. We'll also go around the league. Recap the week four action in the NFL. Dan Gross' show till the top of the hour right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Seesaw. First few minutes for the New York Giants. They took the opening possession down inside the Seattle 30, had a fourth and one, and decided to bypass the field goal opportunity and go for it. They tried to do the Philadelphia Eagles play, the tush push, you know, where they push the quarterback across the line of scrimmage, and they didn't convert. So they turned the ball over and give it back to the Seahawks. Seattle, on the first play from their own 27, Kenneth Walker looked like He actually ran for a 73-yard touchdown run because as he was being brought to the ground, it was one of those spin him to the ground by Bobby Okereke. But Walker landed kind of on top of Okereke to where his arm or leg, nothing touched the ground. And he got back up and continued running to the end zone. And everybody thought the play was over and he was down. Replay went back and looked at it and they saw that the elbow made contact with the turf ever so slightly. So the Giants avert a disaster there then giant defense makes a play Kayvon Thibodeau who needs to start stepping up folks gets a big third down sack they punt the ball back to the Giants Eric Gray muffs the darn punt but thankfully the Giants recover it so they maintain possession but boy this is not exactly the fast start that you were hoping to see from the Giants that we were talking about before this game even kicked off let's go back to the phones 800-919-3776 say hi to Artie in Brooklyn who's up next here on 9870 ESPN hello Art how are you man we got our backup quarterback for next year baby (laughs) 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 that's you know what Art I could I could count on you to bring the goods that's what I'm like this poor kid He's not gonna survive the half, <laughs> you know. And they, and they had nothing to do with it. But you know what? They were just waiting. They had to take it out on somebody. That was amazing. But I mean, he still has to learn how to win. Because you know, like I, I actually, honestly, in that Patriot game, I really thought we were, he was gonna take us down and score. And then you know, with the drive too, he fumbled. I thought we were gonna score on that drive too, and he never got the ball back. But I do have to say a couple of things on Salad, okay? Yeah. I don't know if he knows or not, but you – and it wasn't criticized because he made it, right? But you don't chase points that early. And you went for the two-point conversion. It made sense to everybody, right? You're down by two. What's the difference between being up 
19 to 20 or whatever, 2019. But I don't – for me, they always say it. Don't chase the points right. down the road if the more scoring. Anyway, that's number one. Because I guess the thing is, yeah, you, you, you think about what if you don't make it, what's going to happen, not if you do make it. And then the Well, other- that's why – and Art, that's what went into his thinking and the thought process at the end of the first half when he didn't go for it on fourth and one and he tried the field goal, right. which Zerline clanked right. off the upright. Right. Yeah. Did we lose Art? I think we lost Artie. Artie, the line crapped out. We'll try again tomorrow, my friend. But I appreciate it. Uh, Artie's funny. We got our backup quarterback. That's funny. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Bobby and Belmore up next here on 98.7. Bobby, how are you? Hi, Dan. How are you? I was Bob, I'm doing day, great. Dan. What's going on with you? Yeah, good, good. Uh, no, no pickleball. Uh, I was at the uh, Tampa Bay game that that year, three years ago. And I remember that great call, fourth and two from the goal line with a short quarterback. That was a solid, you know, introduction to the to the league. I, I just had bad vibes, and they've been bad ever since. Now, you know, speaking of Brady, you know, it seems like Patrick Mahomes is starting to get the Brady treatment. You know, getting the calls. And uh, one, one of those, you, know, you mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers, half of that team was Hall of Famers. You know, even Bottle mentioned that. I expect to get that, expect to get the calls from the rest of that team. But anyway, back, I wanted to talk about the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those terrible calls, um, the guy's arm was pinned in the non-defensive, uh, you know, holding call from the offensive lineman when Omaha scrambled, scrambled for 20 yards. Aren't they taught in training camp to wail their arms? Because, you know, I thought that he was just standing there. I thought that Johnson should have wailed his arm. He would have definitely gotten a call. I would assume he would have gotten a call. That's number one. What uh, they do two, is, real quick, Bobby, what they do is that with the technique, it's kind of like a dirty little secret when it comes to linemen. They get the hands right underneath like in your shoulder area underneath your right, pads yeah. to where you can't move right. and it's almost like it's undetected well, he had one so, arm free didn't he have one arm free to maybe he had one arm free back. right but the pro- the problem is is if they if they have you there if the refs take a look at it they don't see the jersey being tugged which is usually when holding flags are going to be thrown I mean, that was so agree, agree with Oh, I mean, Bobby, I, like I said, I saw it as clear as day up in the press box. I was saying to yeah, Greg, I, because I, that I, play I, took about an hour, I'm like, he's holding Johnson. He's holding Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me get to, you mentioned, you forgot a play. You talked about the missed field goal, yeah. 54-yarder. But the reason why it was a 54-yarder is because that great running back, Carter, dropped the ball. Carter dropped it. It was wide open. Coach, yeah. Yelling his, yelling his coach. Okay, but he's been a bust ever since he's been here. That that drive they've actually led to a touchdown. You don't even know. I mean, that was a big play. It would have been a first down, and you know that, that was also another big play in that game. I thought. Now uh, let me get to the Denver game quickly. I know you're going to cut me off, but um, as far as Denver's concerned, I now I do have some hope for the season. I, I thought that was gone after knowing one game, but they got to beat Denver. I mean, if they don't beat Denver, they really aren't going to compete for a playoff spot. I, if they do beat Denver, I mean, they got the Chargers who. Who said Diego coach will see wants to get fired, calling back to back games, you know, at, on his own field, you know, right into the, the game on fourth down. And I mean, back to back games. I mean, I just never understand how a coach could still have a job after that. But they have to charge within the Giants after that, after the bye. So if they get to Denver, those are actually maybe two winnable games if Wilson plays the way he did and they don't hold him back. And, you know, I know he's been very inconsistent, so you can't rely on that. But I think, you know, the Denver game, they have to beat them. I mean, Justin just 
had four touchdown passes against the Denver defense. No, uh, they, they have to. Yeah. They, Bobby, even if even if they got to grind the game to a halt, and I thank you for the phone call, and obviously you don't want that to happen because you want to see the offense continue to progress or progress like they did last night. But that's why before the season we looked at the Jets' schedule and said get to the bye treading water at 3-3. Three and three. Because after the bye, I, I mean, just looking at what lies ahead for this team, the toughest games they have remaining on the schedule are the teams in their division. Miami and Buffalo. Outside of the division, I mean, what's the toughest game that this team has on paper? Really, looking at it. I mean, Bobby just said the Chargers are a, are a joke. That is the most underachieving team that you're going to find in the NFL year in and year out with the talent they have in that locker room. Um, Atlanta's not any good. Houston is intriguing, but who knows where they're going to be in the middle of December, you know, with C.J. Stroud doing his thing. I mean, the Commanders are going to go in there and be a pest any given week. Cleveland, I mean, who the heck knows what, you know, is Deshaun Watson going to bounce back from the shoulder injury or is it going to get worse? I mean, that's it. Like, really? Hardest games the Jets have on their schedule after the bye week are Buffalo and Miami, and they already got Buffalo once. Jamal Adams, by the way, ruled out of the game with a concussion indeed. It kind of looked like that, so his return didn't last very long tonight for the Seattle Seahawks. Let's say hi to uh, Donna, New Jersey, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Donna, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, Donna. What's going on? I just have a couple questions and comments. Thanks for uh, taking my call. I love listening to you guys. Huge uh, football fan. Do a football podcast for women, girls, gun green. And I'm going to talk about this Wednesday. Why did Mahomes stop short of the goal line? Why did he not go for the touchdown? Was it a courtesy because he'd already won? Was it because he was actually afraid, even with no timeouts, that Wilson could possibly drive the ball back down the other end of the field, even after he lost his momentum? I'm just a little confused with that. And a comment I had for you is about Joe Namath comparing last week's interview to this week's interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, who told him to play 80-whatever years old this week? Because I heard the interview last week. He sounded like all of us did when we were sitting in that stadium watching the game, watching all the mistakes. And, I mean, I was at the Patriots game, and I was like, what is happening, right? And he just he just echoed what we were all thinking. And then I understand it was in poor taste because he is the head of the organization, the face of the organization. You know, everybody respects him. But, hey, did Salah not get, like, uh, a penalty last night for finally showing that he's a real boy? Like, I've never seen him get fired up before. I actually felt kind of, like, comforted by the fact that he showed off some emotion. Well, remember what happened, Donna. He decided to do that last night and, and really lay into the referees after that Mahomes play when you knew that the game was over, the Jets weren't going to get the football back. So he knew that if he was going to get penalized, it wasn't going to hurt the Jets' chances of winning the game. He got his pound of flesh, though, afterwards. But you can't do things like that because you don't want to you know, cripple your team in any way with a flag. Correct. The reason Mahomes did that, to answer your first question, now, a lot of the betters were – upset about that because the spread oh, last night was right was anywhere from like eight and a half nine and a half and if he scores the touchdown Correct. Chiefs would have covered but you remember the Jet game last year against the Cleveland Browns in week two and Nick Chubb scored a touchdown with under two minutes to play in that game to put the Browns up by 13 and you thought oh the game was over but if Nick Chubb just laid down then all that wacky sequence of events that happened that allowed the Jets to get the two possessions and steal that game, it never would have yeah. been possible. So he was just trying to make sure his team won the game to leave it at 0% chance the Jets were ever going to be able to win it. 
even with no timeouts, he really thought that the way that – I mean, yes, Wilson definitely looked like completely like a different quarterback last night, but everybody actually just looked a lot more cohesive, even with the little mistakes that were going on the field. But, I mean, I felt pretty excited about the game. I couldn't believe that we, like, you know, intercepted yeah. three, and, and, and I felt really uh, uplifted as a Jets fan. You have to, Donna. And, and you go into next week. And, Donna, thanks a lot for the phone call. You get back to us. You know, you're going to go into Denver next week with a little extra pep in your step as a fan watching that game. You know, you're pro- how about this? You're probably going into that Bronco game next week with a lot more hope and a lot more confidence than you did going into last night's game. And especially when you fell behind 17-0 in the first quarter. But no, you're expecting a carryover and a continuation to what you saw, especially from this offense and really the entire team from the second quarter on in that football game. Because now you're not playing a top 5-6 defense. All right? Like you faced exclusively in the first four weeks of the season. You're playing a football team, which is probably the worst that you have played so far in the first four weeks of the season. And if you think that you're a serious playoff contender and you could salvage something, go win the game. Simple as that. Go win this football game. 800-919-3776. We'll come back. Go around the league, plus squeeze in a couple of phone calls. Dan Gross until the top of the hour, 98.7 ESPN.